Hello, and welcome to the Badger Talks podcast, the podcast that shares interviews with experts from the University of Wisconsin-Madison community about their work, research, and a little bit about what they're like as people. I'm your host, Buzz Kemper. Today, we're focusing on geography, and I'm happy to have as my guest, Jim Lacey, Associate State Cartographer at the Wisconsin State Cartographer's Office, University of Wisconsin-Madison. Jim, thank you so much for doing this, uh, first of all. This is a topic that is of interest to me, and I think it's going to turn out to be of interest to people who don't think it's of interest to them once we get into it, because there are a lot of legs to this uh, this whole mapping thing. But the first thing I want to ask you yeah. is just about your path. Um, I know that most young boys think, you know, well, I either want to be a superhero, a fireman, or get into geospatial data. Right, exactly. Right? Or an astronaut. <laughs> Or an astronaut, maybe as a backup plan. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Right. How? What led you into this field? Well, you know, that's a great question because you know you think about it. You know, a lot of kids growing up, they're not going to be. Oh, I want to grow up. I'm going to be a cartographer. I mean, nobody really thinks that because right. you know, no one really knows what it is or what's involved. Yeah. And certainly, people have their perceptions, right? Which we'll talk about. You know, like in my own case, you know, I started out going to college as a computer science student because I figured, oh, I'll be a computer programmer the rest of my life. That sounds good, <laughs> right? And discovered pretty quickly, eh, I'm not sure I want to be a computer programmer. And just really by dumb luck, you know, one of these university-required classes, I just as an elective took a, a mapping class, you know, how to, like, introduction to geography kind of thing. And I took that class and thought, wow, this is really cool. And I had a background and, you know, Art, art and things like that. Thought, oh, there's there's maybe something here, but I still really love technology. So I went and talked to one of the professors and said, hey, you know, I'm really interested in this map stuff. Is there anything that blends technology and maps in some way? And just you could see the light bulb go up over his head, like, oh, I've got hooked one. This is great. <laughs> and so he's rubbing his hands yeah, together. Exactly. So yeah. he told me all about, you know, kind of how the field has evolved. It's really become a high tech sort of field. And it was great. It's like, hey, this is a great fit. So, you know, in the end, I stuck with the computer science and double majored in geography. And it worked out, worked out, I think, worked out pretty good. And here we are 30 plus years later <laughs> talking right. about maps. Right. And you, if I'm not mistaken, you don't actually make a lot of maps. Is that correct? Yeah. You, you what does your daily uh, daily work look like? Yeah, yeah. No, that's a fair question. And it's, you know, my common joke is, you know, I have cartographer in my title, right. but I don't actually make that many maps, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> so that usually gets people's attention like, what, what? What are you talking about? And, you know, really the field has evolved significantly where it's as much about data and processing data and analyzing data as it is about the process of making a map, if mm -hmm. you will. You know, I have plenty of colleagues where that's what they do. They sit down and they produce beautiful maps. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, there's certainly people that do that. But I have a very... I'll say liberal view, if you will, not in a political sense, right. of you know what a cartographer does. And it's mm -hmm. really about using technology, or can be about using technology to help make decisions mm -hmm. using what I'll probably call a lot map data or geographic data. I try to stay away from some of the technical terms. Okay. So it's kind of fun to think about that. That you know there aren't, you know, we don't all sit around in dark rooms, you know, with our, our pencils drawing maps, although you know, certainly at a point in history that was the case. Really, it's a very high-tech field these days that mm -hmm. people would not expect because, well, why would they? How right. would they know? Right. And that leads me down two paths, so we'll do one at a time. Sure. One is, 
can you dig a little deeper into what that data is if you're not if we're not actually making maps then what is that information that we're going after right and uh, and then just partly so I can remind myself sure. at, at, after that I'd like to go into how does this affect uh, the lives of the person who is not really studying maps. They're not planning to climb up uh, some Himalayan mountain that's never been climbed before and they need right. a map, right? right. They, but, but maps affect us in other ways. So let's start out with what, what are the kinds of technical data that is being used and how is it gleaned? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, you think about it. I mean, almost everything in our lives somehow, some way relates to a place, yeah. right? Um, and it could be just about anything, you know? And yeah, people think a lot about maps and going from place place A to place B, you know, firing up Google Maps or Apple Maps or whatever the case may be. And okay, I need to get from here to there. And that's what we think about maps a lot is just, you know, navigating the landscape. But you think about all sorts of things like, okay, what's happening at a given place on the landscape? And we all live on a play at the, you know, at places, right? So it could be information about people, socioeconomic data. It could be information about the environment. It could be simple stuff like roads. It could be information about water resources. I mean, literally anything that we all interact with out there in the world is data that exists or could exist or needs to be collected and so forth. So, I mean, there's just so much out there happening. And the standard joke in our, our mapping world is 80% 80 of the, the, the data out there is geographic in nature. I don't even know where that number comes from. No one can say where that number comes from, but that's <laughs> well, what they let's say. let's go with it. We'll go with 80%. Yeah. Sure, why not? But yeah. I think it's probably even more, actually, you know, because yeah. we all interact in these ways. So this affects people in terms of where they live where their drinking water comes from where they go to right, for school sure. i mean it's uh, yeah it seems like yeah there are just all kinds of ramifications uh from a human standpoint yeah yeah for sure i mean think about this you know when if you're ever in a situation where you're you have to dial 911 what's one of the first things they ask you is where are you located or mm -hmm. what's your address and you mm -hmm. think about that well they want to know where you are, right? And what's more, they have maps on their screens that help from a standpoint of dispatching folks to get to you to help you, right? Mm -hmm. And that maps are an integral part of 911 systems and first responders and things like that. Again, we're kind of getting back into that navigation sort of side of things, mm -hmm. but that's a really important part that people don't really think about that. Yeah, that's why they want to know where I'm at <laughs> so okay. they can find me and help me. So that's a very real way in which, you know, maps are important and geographic data, map data, it's important to people. And there's lots of other examples of you know things that we can talk about that how maps affect us all, really. Right, right. What has changed? What has surprised you? What excites you? Um, uh, you know, tell me about the yeah. the evolution of uh, of your career and how it relates to what you do and how it affects uh, what other people do. Right. Wow. Big question. I it could, is a, a big question. One. Yeah, I know. Right. I, yeah. But it's a good one. You know, the thing that comes to mind right away is the availability of data, information. You mm -hmm. know, if you want to think about you know a map as a series of map layers, that's all data, right? You know, starting out my career 30 years ago, there wasn't that much out there. I mean, yeah, there was data out there, and but a lot of our efforts back then was about creating data and finding data that just simply didn't exist. Mm -hmm. That's still a problem today in a lot of aspects, 
But, you know, there's so much data out there, and that's really driven by technology like so many other things. You know, thinking about what it took to store lots and lots of data 30 years ago versus today, it's like, yeah, that's not an issue anymore, is storing the stuff. So it's not as much about the availability of the data anymore. It's like there's almost so much out there. It's what, what do I need to address the problems that I need to solve, you know, as a mapping professional. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's really changed. Um, you know, things like GPS that everyone out there is probably familiar with. I mean, that's really, I think, been a game changer that mm-hmm. we remind ourselves that, you know, 30 plus years ago, that, that didn't really exist, at least not for the average person on the street, yeah. right? You know, we all carry around expensive devices in our pockets that can tell us with a you know, reasonable high degree of accuracy about where we are in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, so think about that. That's really been another big driver is just these services that are all what I would say are location enabled, mm-hmm. whether it's a map or just simply interacting with the world around you, you know, Mm -hmm. so that's been another, I think, really big game changer. And like I said, just the general evolution of technology has just enabled so many different things. So that's been another one. The big companies like Apple and Google, they've been in the mapping game for quite a number of years now. And I think that's really raised the bar in a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's pointed out that, hey, people really use these tools. And I think it's really been beneficial for the general public to understand and see right on their phone, okay, hey, I can understand where I am in the world. Heck, I didn't see a, an aerial fo- photograph until I was in college. Now any kindergartner can basically look online and, you know, look at things that are happening out in the world and on a map or an aerial photograph. That's really cool, mm-hmm. I think, from a lot of different aspects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I drive, I mean, I'm old enough that, you know, I used to be the guy driving, holding onto the steering wheel that had an right, unfolded right. map over it. And I'd be like, I think I'm supposed to turn left up here. I mean, yeah, GPS uh, has has saved me in, in many ways. Is there... Um, any interaction or any relationship between what what you folks do at the UW and you know in an in an academic uh, environment and what Apple and Google and these other private for-profit companies are doing um, is is there a any kind of relationship there at all and if so what is it yeah no. No. Okay. That was that was quick. <laughs> I mean, that's the honest answer, quite frankly. Okay. You know, but one thing that is interesting, a lot of the data that we were talking about earlier is actually produced by government organizations, government agencies. Right. You know, and yeah, so there there tends not to be a great deal of we'll call it cooperation between, you know, these big commercial outfits because they can kind of do what they need to do. And you know, they're advertising companies. If we're talking about Google, fundamentally, although we all use their services, mm-hmm. but in a lot of ways, we're the product, right? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, so in that sense, no, not a lot of crossover. You know, they can go out and collect their own data, do their own thing. They don't really need to work with anybody else. Um, so that's not a lot of crossover in that way. Where does the geography department or cartographers that you work with and with whom you interact, where does their direction come from? How does someone know we should be studying this right now or we should put this aside and study this other thing? Are there priorities? How does all that work? That's just something I'm curious about. Yeah, I mean, from a research standpoint, and again, this is not really our particular area of expertise, but a lot of it's driven by what's happening out in the world and observing what's happening out in the world and making decisions about emphasizing this particular problem or that particular problem. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, all gets wrapped up ultimately into the teaching. 
So, I mean, folks in the university are very much aware what's happening out in the world and directing their research efforts towards these societal problems in a very big picture sense here. And, you know, in geography, that's no different. Or where I work, working with maps, that's no different. We're being responsive to these issues that are happening out in the world and doing our, you know, little small part to try to address these concerns that are out there. So okay. that's that's a great question. What would the priorities be right now? What uh, What kind of things are being worked on now? Right now, some of my colleagues and I are working a great deal on getting information out there that helps with historical research. So, for example, one project we have right now that I think is a lot of fun and also really useful is making historic, historic excuse me, aerial photography available to the world. So we have a website a person can go out there and find. You'll, you'll put it in your links at the bottom of the podcast, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> Where a person can go out and find 1930s era aerial photography and download that for free and do what they want to do with it. And we're trying to make additional what we call vintages or eras of this photography available into the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and so on. And there's a lot of uses that a person might not expect. You know, lawyers like to look at historic aerial photography to understand, you know, maybe property boundary disputes. Uh-huh. Um, environmental studies want to see how things have changed over time, and an aerial photograph is a great way to do that. Right. See so, see how see how fast the glacier is disappearing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So something that a few of my colleagues and I are working on right now is exposing, if you will, more than information to the general public. Right now, um, one of my colleagues manages a collection of a couple hundred thousand print photographs in her collection at the Robinson Map Library on campus. And it's trying to get that out of file cabinets and get it out to the world so anybody can see it and download it and look at it for free. Now, it's going to take us some time to get there, of course, you know, mm-hmm. over the course of years. But I think that's a really important effort that we're working on right now. And there's many other efforts mm-hmm. that we're working on. Um, Another big project we've got is assembling a statewide parcel map. So what that means is basically taking land ownership information from all 72 counties, assembling that into one seamless data set. You can Mm. think of it as a map, but it's really about the data and making that available um, for folks out there to use and understand, you know, how that what's happening across the state in terms of land valuation who owns what, and things like that. Mm. So that's another really important effort that we're working on with uh, folks from the Department of Administration with. Mm. And so that's a big one as well. And there's many other projects working on, but those are a couple of hot ones right now, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Cartography and uh, geography just affects everything. And uh, and I think that's what we're learning the more I talk to you. This yeah. is terrific. Um, is there anything that you would like to talk about for which I maybe didn't ask the right question. (laughs) You're asking perfect questions. Well, you know, I think, you know, and logically so, why would folks know this? But there's been a ton of activity happening at UW-Madison specifically in these areas, you know, very broadly speaking with regard to maps, geographic data, mapping, that kind of thing. So, for example, at the Space Science and Engineering Center, those folks, you know, make their careers, you know, collecting and managing and understanding weather and climate data amongst many different things and guess what that's all about maps and geographic data so they do a lot of important work in this area I have colleagues at what's called the applied population lab on campus where they're doing work with school enrollment projections and that's really important for school districts out there to understand okay how is our district you know growing or shrinking over time so that's also really important work that's happening at UW-Madison you know, I've got many colleagues in geography. We have, as I mentioned before, the Robinson Map Library, which is open to the public. It's an archive, if you will, of thousands, hundreds of thousands of maps that anyone from the public can come in and take a look at. 
We've got the history of cartography project, little did anyone know, where they're looking at, you know, how has the field of cartography evolved over literally thousands of years? Mm -hmm. And they've been working on this for, gosh, I think it's like 30 years now to document the history and just talk about how the world of mapping has changed. And it's amazing. Who knew, right? Right. (laughs) Happening right at UW-Madison. Um, we've got the cartography lab on campus in geography specifically where students can learn about you know how to be a cartographer how to deal with these data sets and how to you know help people be successful in the future so it's real world experience for them and for me at the state cartographer's office we do a lot of that kind of work as well we hire students and give them real world internship experience so we're helping you know although i'm not a professor i don't teach in the classroom you know, we have a very important connection, those of us that are not necessarily in the classroom every day, to help students be successful in their mm-hmm. future careers. Uh, and the list goes on. I mean, I have colleagues at the Wisconsin Geological Natural History Survey, for example, where they use maps and map data to understand geology, groundwater, uh, related issues, you know, mineral extraction. Again, the list goes on and on. That's very important work that they do. They do. Yeah. And, you know, Buzz, one of the things that I think is really cool about working at the university is there's such diversity in terms of the subject matter experts. You know, I'm walking around campus going from meeting to meeting, whatever the case might be. It's like, wow, I had no idea that was happening there. And I meet people just in various things. And I had no idea that's happening on campus. And I'm a university employee. So just learning about that kind of stuff. Yeah, it touches so many people i mean everybody really in some way and uh and so that's yeah that's great well i this is why i was really looking forward to this conversation because this whole this whole podcast series um is making me smarter which is a great thing (laughs) i hope the uh, listeners feel feel the same way um and i just want to touch on a personal thing you're obviously a bicyclist uh you you came in here with a a bit of an injury do you do you bike a a lot or uh, is it a kind of a weekend thing or it's mostly a weekend thing quite honestly i had to buy an e-bike to keep up with my my wife because she's just (laughs) in way better shape than me and sometimes you know the e-bike you know the e-bike in general is great but sometimes you turn the wheel in a way that you don't expect and you end up on the ground and yeah you end up with a broken arm (laughs) yeah oh my god so it really is broken it's not just oh my gosh oh Oh, man well yeah, good uh, Good luck with that. My final question, yes. the easiest one of the whole thing, Uh-oh. how do I get one of those shirts? So so, <laughs> so, Jim is wearing a Wisconsin Geography shirt with a picture. I think that's a heifer, right? Yep, it's uh, a cow. Yeah, it's a cow. And um, and it's just so um, it's just so perfect. You know, that's, I'm glad you asked. That's, you know, not why I wore it, but I thought it'd be yeah. fun to wear it. But yeah. yeah, no, this is actually a fundraiser for the Geography Club. You know? The big pattern in the middle is the state of Wisconsin. It's, exactly. Um, nice. Sometimes, you know, cartographers get a little bit bored and we have to do fun stuff right okay fair <laughs> enough i you know i did this the cow sign a release <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure she did yes okay yes, fair yes. enough yeah well thank you so much absolutely yeah. you've been listening to the badger talks podcast i hope you enjoyed the conversation please browse our previous episodes for other topics that may be of interest to you The Badger Talks podcast is a creation of UW Connects and produced at Audio for the Arts recording studios in Madison, Wisconsin. Our music is composed by Bill Purdy and performed by the UW Marching Band. I'm Buzz Kemper. Thank you for listening.